Namaste and welcome to Divine Talk Radio. Heal, empower, and awaken with your hosts from the Divine Lineage Healing Center in Laytonville, California. This is Soul Talk and I am Cindy Lindsay Rael in association with the Divine Lineage Healing Center in Laytonville, California. Please visit us on the web at divinelineage.org. Well, today we want to talk about the Divine Masculine. And to help us tackle this topic, my guest today is Chris Hargrove, who's a good friend and colleague of mine. He's also a very powerful healer and teacher in Asheville, North Carolina, associated with Four Plains Healing. And he's also, if that's not enough, an audio blogger on our Divine Talk Radio with his show entitled The Transformative Power of Grief. In that, he brings such amazing heart and deep wisdom from his 20 years as a licensed clinical social worker and 11 years or maybe more spent working within the hospice environment. Uh, Chris, you know, I'm so excited to talk about this topic with you. Welcome. Well, thank you, Cindy. It is an honor and a pleasure to be here with you today. Thank you for all your kind words. Uh, I, I should add that uh, Cindy is also, of course, a dear friend to me and uh, has been a very, very powerful healer in my life, in, in my own personal journey, and a very powerful teacher for me. So we're all fortunate uh, to share with her today. And this topic, the topic of the Divine Masculine, is something very near and dear to my heart. Uh, so I'm very happy uh, to be able to explore what is a, a, a oft-misunderstood topic. Uh, in our society. Totally misunderstood, I think. And, yes. Um, thank you for the shout-out to Divine Friendship. <laughs> yeah. It's really important, I think, yeah. that we each are learning from each other and that that continues. Thank you. Thank you. But to get us into this discussion of the Divine Masculine, let me, let me first just give a bit of background about what it means when we say Divine Masculine or, when, or Divine Feminine because it's not the same as what is traditionally thought of as masculine and feminine in society. Because in modern society, we normally think of those terms masculine and feminine to mean either a physiological body component or a psychological or social aspect of gender, gender assignment, or gender roles. And that's really not what we're talking about, though these are really interesting topics these days. They've heated up in the last few years because we're finding you know, that those designations are much more fluid than science or our society may have previously believed. They're very fascinating topics, but what we're talking about today is slightly different. It is really something that is a divine or sacred energetic of the creation, which we entitle either masculine or feminine. And to really understand that, I think we need to start back at the notion of creation for a moment. When there's a great oneness that is God, that is Mother Divine, it's a pure consciousness with the potentiality of everything. And from that, the creation comes forward. And once the creation begins, there's a split into duality. Now, the duality is uh, something we've talked about a lot on this uh, soul issues, you know, because 
it is what starts creating the Maya, creates the play of karmas and so on and so forth. But within the creation, this duality is things like masculine and feminine, night and day, good and bad. It's that split of things into opposites of one another, or if they're not opposites, complements of one another. So today we're actually talking about those split off energies. We're talking about energetics of the great oneness that once they come into form are split apart from one another. So we're, we're talking about energies that we define as masculine and energies that we define as feminine. Now what's really fascinating I think about these energies is that they have components to them that are really important for one another. They're one of those that they may at first seem like opposites, but they need to be and are complementary to one another. And it is through understanding these energetics of the creation that we begin to master the energies and then find our way back to pulling those energies back into oneness, back into being God and Mother Divine, back into the great oneness of all things. So by understanding and mastering these energies, and then by combining these energies back again, we're finding our way back to God. We're finding our way back to the wholeness, which is Mother Divine. And we're advancing our souls. So with that in mind, Chris, <laughs> Let's get into the discussion here. What, how do you define um, divine masculine? And what are the qualities of that energetic as you see it? Well, it's such a, an interesting question to try to define the divine masculine. Um, for me, uh, the divine masculine, that definition can only exist in relationship to the divine feminine. Uh, I it doesn't stand in isolation to that because for me uh, in what I've observed, the divine masculine is that energetic uh, component of each of us, uh, perhaps more naturally predominant in those of us in a male body, but present in each of us uh, that seeks to provide the spaciousness and the stillness that is sought after and needed by the divine feminine in order for it to her if we call an energy uh, by a gender de designation to create uh, because that is the primary activity of the divine feminine is creation uh, and the divine masculine in relation to that holds the space, holds the container, and provides the support for that creation uh, to take place. Okay, so you make a couple of really good points there. Let's, let's delve in a bit. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> uh, first of all, I love that you don't want to put them as separate from one another because they're two pieces of the big hole, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> and we want to get them back to the big hole, so that's fantastic. And generally in this tradition, we see the feminine as, the, as constantly active in that mm -hmm. process, which is quite different from the definitions of masculine and feminine in social psychology, for example. Yep. Where the masculine is the agentic or the active component and the feminine is the more passive component. So we really have a different, uh, right here, we have a fundamentally different understanding yes. than the social understanding. Yes. And this idea of, 
and, and though really, if we think of active and silent, I like the silent instead of passive. Mm -hmm. Because silent is an action mm -hmm. <laughs> in an interesting way. An important one. <laughs> Absolutely necessary. <laughs> so here we have another duality that we're expressing here. You know, yes. the, uh, the, act, the action oriented creation and then the, the holding of that container. So tell, tell me a little bit about, um, you know, if, oftentimes we think in this tradition of Shiva mm -hmm. as an image of the divine masculine. And if we go back to that original creation story, Parama Shiva, or the infinite Shiva, is the first thing split off. Yes. So it is the split between masculine and feminine that sort of happens first, in, that, in an interesting way, if we're going to cast Shiva as masculine. And most of the people in this tradition know that uh, a quality of Shiva is the deep silence that it holds. But can you kind of describe what it takes to 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 be that Shiva-like? What in in that silence and that space containing what what is going on inside of you with that? Um, what what is happening to be in that space? Well, it's not something that happens by accident, right? I mean, the the discovery of stillness or discovery of silence uh, within oneself uh, in this culture uh, is not easy uh, to find. It's not something that we're encouraged particularly to, to look after or, or to nurture. So for me, it's been a very intentional practice uh, of trying to catch myself was the first step really it was just to pause uh, before I came in with my own response or a very typical male kind of response in this society is let me fix it yeah. you know some oh, there's a concern there's a problem oh, here's here's the solution that is not what I have found to be uh, nurturing quality of the divine masculine in relation to the divine feminine. What I have found is that to allow just the space for the expression of whatever it is that my partner, uh, we'll say in this case a female partner, uh, is sharing just to give that space and then more space and then more space. Uh, my mind is a very active mind by default and my tendency is to to come in quickly uh, to make links and associations in my mind and offer suggestions and none of those things uh, are particularly helpful uh, in the cultivation of what the divine masculine energy is which is more about that stillness that silence and that spaciousness so the first step for me was just learning to stop myself just learning to pause and catch my mind and to not respond um, and to create that space. And the way that I have found to practice that or to, to hone that, that skill is through meditation. I mean, I, I, I don't know another way. I, re I really don't know another way because it's in uh, meditation that we touch stillness and when we touch it in that way, we feel the value of it. We feel how nourishing it is, and that makes it so much easier than at the next opportunity when my mind is telling me, oh, I should come in and say something to recognize, oh, no, that's actually not going to be particularly helpful. It'll be much better 
if I just hold this space for the divine feminine, however, or it's coming in front of me, uh, to be able to express itself. And after holding space, then to provide support, to take care. Uh, that's one of the most defining characteristics of the divine masculine, to my mind, is the taking care aspect. And it looks so very different than what we conceive of that to be in our culture. And in our culture, we often think, oh, taking care means the male is the provider. He generates the primary income. Uh, he fixes the things in the house, whatever it is. Uh, that's not what I mean when I'm talking about taking care. I'm talking about taking care of the, the deeper inner qualities uh, that the divine feminine wants to receive from me. And that is emotional support. That is soul-level support, uh, spiritual support. So it's not so much, hey, hey, honey, will you fix that light? Usually I can do something simple like that. <laughs> um, but it's more, how can I create a field in which I'm interacting with the divine feminine that is experienced as supportive by the divine feminine, right? Not my notion of what support is, which is, I think, where a lot of men get lost. Most men, by default, want to be supportive to women. They thrive on getting positive feedback from women. So they want to do that, most. Um, but they do it on their own agenda. They do it by listening to what their minds tell them that support looks like, without attuning to what it is that the divine feminine really wants from them and so that practice the practice of attunement has been instrumental uh for me in trying to understand how can i cultivate those divine masculine aspects within myself and how can i make sure that i'm making those available to the divine feminine as i interact with it and really honing in on attunement has been very helpful for me and, and it's also been challenge and i'm in a profession uh as a social worker and a counselor where i'm expected to be empathic and attuned to my clients and i like to think that i am uh mm -hmm. but we're talking about a different level of attunement here uh in my experience it's a much deeper more more sensitive more subtle uh level of attunement we're turning to energetic frequencies uh rather than keying off words uh much more attention to subtle body language uh, than explicit communication. Uh, and that dynamic uh, between the divine masculine and the divine feminine, when it can be nurtured, is so powerful. I mean, it, it does allow for a coming into oneness again uh, that for me, harkens back to the, the arresting symbol of the yin-yang, which cap captures it all in one symbol. It's, it's a circle, uh, and it's got parabolas inside it, and either side of the parabola is white or, or black, but within the white or black parabolas are circles of the alternating color, you know, right. suggesting and blind that you can't have one without the other, and that within the one is the other. And that maybe in that attunement, there is also, there is some dot of the other already in us. Yes. 
And there is a way to, to move into that or to sense into that that is part of that uh, attunement. I hadn't really thought about it that way, but it, it seems like it, it would be the truth there. And I just want to bring up one point earlier on the silence, on the stillness issue, because although we're not talking about gender or, or uh, physiological male-female, there is a difference when a soul is incarnated in a male body versus a female body. They're embedded into a different psychological and energetic system which makes the connection to the divine energies different. Yes. Um, so for example, women at the physical body level, they have a greater number of interconnections in the corpus callosum, central part of the brain that connects the two hemispheres. Well, what, what that basically means is that women's emotional and feeling sense are more deeply integrated with their linear thought. Um, in addition, there's the hormonal cycles in a woman's body, which of course drive the creation ability, but they also drive, guess what, emotional cycles. So um, both of these make women, it makes it different in a woman's body, the experience of emotional components in life. And it integrates them more deeply into any conversation, any explanation, any understanding, any, any logical thought. So what that means is for women that we do need some stita pregnata, we do need some expression of those emotions are released from the emotional energetic that is happening to us to attend at other levels of what's happening. And what I heard you saying there is that that's kind of what the space is you're giving. You're giving the space for the tenderheartedness of women, the emotional cycles of women, that emotional expression of what they're saying to be heard, um, to be understood, to be um, brought into balance or to be able to engage with that in some way that is supportive and nurturing. Um, and then to me, then that space there, once those emotions are dealt with, that space is sort of that, uh, I don't know, propagating ground, that, that uh, place where something different can arise. Yes, it, it's fertile soil. It, it, yeah, it, yeah. it, it creates fertile soil. Uh, and that, I mean, you're exactly right. The, the, the provision of spaciousness is a way of valuing what it is that's being shared uh, by the divine feminine or the, or the women that are in front of you. The, the more typical response of the male is maybe not to devalue, but, but to fix immediately, like to, to, to get it off of the list of things to do. Um, need to do. Yeah, uh, but it's so much more fecund and it's so much more ripe with potentiality to really value and not just value but to explore that deep empathic emotional connection that women have to a greater degree than men have and if men don't choose to explore that with a woman in their life well guess what they're not going to find it much with other men i mean men will just i mean we know this of course men men 
tend to, to when they sit with each other and they, they talk to each other, they don't make eye contact. They're looking straight ahead. Uh, sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> and the, the emotional content is narrow. It meets the needs of the men, but in terms of expression, range of expression, it's very narrow. Um, that is one of the things that has hamstrung the masculine in our society is the devaluation, not just of listening to and paying attention to and honoring what is offered by the women in our lives, but even more so the, the, the crushing impact of taking a, a, a young boy who has a vulnerable, tender, loving heart and repeatedly teaching him that that is not the way to be a man. Right. Catastrophic results for our society. Absolutely. And uh, it's these definitions of what it is to be a man in society, and a lot of societies across, I mean, not just us, we have mm -hmm. societies that have different versions of it, but they, but they do have a tendency to, uh, to push the, the take an action, fix it version. Yeah. They have a tendency to shut down the emotional. What might be there is the little dot inside the part of the <laughs> yes, yes, yes. They shut down the emotional response, um, and I, I can see how some of that serves. You know, sending men to war or something. Mm -hmm. I guess it was. I guess it evolved over time as a way of getting men to do the kind of societal things that uh, governments and overlords wanted them to do. But is it, I think it's kind of time to change that at this point. I think we have abundant evidence that it is time to change that. I mean, that, that pattern that has run amok, uh, so amok that we now find ourselves uh, in uh, a patriarchal society <clears throat> that is so entrenched that in order for women to even have really horrendous episodes of being taken advantage of by men heard in any way, a whole separate movement, the Me Too movement, has to be created for them to even have a voice. And, and we've seen how that has been received. I mean, not even, even with the voices of hundreds of thousands of women. It's still, people are poo-pooing it and dismissing it and making excuses. And we have that happening today, right now, in an ongoing hearing for a federal appointment. I mean... We devalue the truth of women's experience in this culture at great cost. And not only in that kind of social component, um, uh, which really involves gender and power and all sorts of other things, but even devaluing it down to the nature of emotional knowing. In that mm. there is something known inside that emotional component, inside that linking. Um, that happens in women's brains between the emotional and the rational. There, there is a kind of knowing that's there in the emotional. Now, one of the problems in the sacred feminine is that in the, there is a wounded feminine, feminine that most of us embody now on the earth, and that wounded feminine has our emotions really tied in some, some karmic patterns that don't serve us. But at the deepest level, emotion is a kind of intuition, a kind of knowing that if we could really, as, as women, as the divine feminine, if we could really tap into that at that level is incredibly powerful.
Mm. It knows something about what's happening that can't be non-modern. Um, it knows about the soul's nature. It knows about the pain that someone carries. Um, it, it knows the possibility of nurturing. It knows love. And some of those are qualities of God. So, yeah, so I think it's not only that we've devalued emotion in men, but it seems to me that we devalue emotion almost altogether yeah. in society. Well, no, it's, it's true. And that, that uh, emotional knowing is the very aspect of, to which men need to attune because that's what will get overlooked because it's not familiar. We don't, our brains don't have a default way to receive that, that kind of knowing. Doesn't it's not in, doesn't intuitively make sense right off the bat, um, always, and that's where we have to tune and listen deeply, and ask probing questions and explore because there's so much to be gained from the exploration of that deep knowing that women carry, that that is, in many ways, inaccessible to men in this culture, uh, especially in the face of the cultural condition that we've gone through. And then the other, one of the other things that I've observed that really inhibits the development of the divine masculine in our culture is many, 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 many men walking around today have mother wounds. They have wounds with their own birth mother. Uh, and usually they involve some level of feeling like they, have, they were not taken care of uh, in all the ways that they would have liked by their mother. They weren't loved completely by their mother. So what do, what do those men do then? Well, they go out and they seek to replace that love, that un unconditional love that they feel like they only got partially from their mother, and they look for that in their partner. And that is an imbalanced relationship. The, the, mm -hmm. the partnership between the divine masculine and the divine feminine cannot be a partnership between the divine masculine and the divine feminine in a mother role. I mean, that is not a balanced relationship, but I find that that is what men are actively seeking. And then they get frustrated because the, the women wisely are like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> That's right. I bet no, I don't want that. <laughs> um, so, I mean, there are all these things. So, there is a mother quality to the divine sacred feminine, obviously. But I hear what you're saying that, it's, that they're looking for something that was missing from their own mother. Yes. They're expecting or looking to have that filled again somehow. If there's an emptiness for them. And, uh, and yeah. it's and we have an expectation of what others, somebody else needs to do in order for us to be whole. That that's already starting off on the wrong path. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it is. Because as, as you led with in the, the context setting, we have the capacity to be whole on as individuals, to, to bring the divine masculine and the divine feminine into balance within ourselves as a man and a, a woman. We, we all have that capacity. Uh, so this notion that we carry around, a, you know, the, the Jerry Maguire, uh, you know, you had me at a low, kind of, you complete me, uh, it is really poisonous. It, it doesn't serve us. And, uh, it's unfortunate, you know, and so what do, it, it, So within this culture, what does the divine masculine look like? 
right? I mean, what are examples of that? Uh, I was thinking on that, and, like, and it's not easy to come up with examples uh, that would be unequivocally accepted. I mean, we can look outside our culture, and some are obvious, like the Dalai Lama, for instance, I would say is a, a beautiful embodiment uh, of the divine masculine energy, very awakened, very realized. Dalai Lama has gone on record many times saying the future of spirituality lies in the hands of Western women. I mean, he absolutely understands that there has been an imbalance and it needs to be corrected. And of course, Bishop Desmond Tutu. Passion, he has that compassionate aspect. Yes. Taking yes. from a divine perspective notion that you mentioned earlier. Really and the divine masculine has to have that. If the divine masculine does not have those qualities of empathy, compassion, vulnerability, alongside strength and courage, the, the more traditional uh, male qualities, if it doesn't have those alongside, then, then it, it is not whole even as, a, as an expression of the divine masculine. It has to have those components. Those are basic human values. They cross between the divine masculine and the divine feminine. They need to be shared. Uh, and unfortunately, in large measure, they're, they're not. Um, Bishop Desmond Tutu is another easy example of a, a male who seems fully realized. But I was thinking, like, who in our culture, in American culture, could I point to? And then it came to me. Uh, these things. It makes perfect sense to me. I, I hope it will to our listeners, too. But Fred Rogers. Mr. Oh, Rogers. Mr. Rogers? Mr. Rogers. And it is a beautiful, beautiful example of tenderness, vulnerability, taking care, devoted his decades of his life to taking care of children and helping to mm -hmm. instill in them basic human values. But And, and so people may think, oh, yeah, but... Look how weak he was, right? I mean, he was kind of, you know, he's a wallflower. No, I challenge, <laughs> yeah, I challenge anyone to actually look at his record of what he did. It's the first, the first time any European-American white host of a television show had a regular recurring African-American guest on. His postal man was on every day. They'd sit down, they'd have coffee, they'd interact. When the culture was in times of distress and in times of riots or times of war, he addressed those themes. And then if you go and look at the testimony he's given before Congress when he was trying to save funding for uh, public media, talk about strong. I mean, he turns an entire, he's appearing before a committee, the whole committee is set out to, to slash funding for public media, public radio, public television. He comes before them, speaks for about 20 minutes. The chairman is in tears, and he says, you just saved all the money. I mean, one person, right? If that's not strength, I don't know what strength is. So that was one example that occurred to me. And the other is another one that people, I think, would, would want to say, oh, yeah, maybe he's weak. I challenge that. Jimmy Carter. I think Jimmy Carter is a beautiful example of the divine masculine, you know? He, he was very, very strong in his positions when he occupied the presidency, and many of them were unpopular. Uh, that is strength. We stand for your values and your convictions in the face of very strong opposing forces. That is certainly strength. 
and I don't think anybody who's read or, or even observed uh, Jimmy Carter in an interview or building that, you know, the gazillion Habitat for Humanity house that he's built could ever not notice his heart and his caring nature and his tenderness. You know? uh, so we do have examples, but they're harder to find because even the, the purest of examples in this culture at this time on the planet are subject to getting corrupted. Uh, by the power structures within which we run and operate. Um, well, that's for sure. And I, so I tend to go back to a Christian example. I use Jesus as my version. Of course. Um, yeah, I mean. But, but, you know, there's a lot of people who don't believe in Jesus either. So, but still, for me, he is that compassion. He is that open-heartedness. He is that love. He is that one who is sort of seeing through um, the illusion of someone into what are they really trying to present and be and who can they possibly become mm -hmm. still having strengths huge power for huge power, a, huge power but strength to make it through the crucifixion strength to throw the money changers out of the temple you know so mm -hmm. so yeah i think we have some they're just a little distant from modern culture unfortunately yeah or oftentimes um in the case of Jimmy Carter or even Mr. Rogers, just not seen as some, you know, the, they're not understanding the masculinity that is there, the divine masculinity. Yeah, yeah I think they, they, those two examples that I gave, Mr. Rogers and Jimmy Carter, would, would by many, many people be referred to as feminized men. They, they would not yeah. even yeah. qualify them as masculine uh, characters, which just is a reflection of, of the tremendous imbalance uh, that we've, we've arrived at. I mean, it didn't happen overnight, uh, but, but the imbalance of uh, practical power uh, within this culture is so vast that there is a big lift that has to happen to get the divine feminine even close to being balanced in its understanding and appreciation of the power that it holds before the divine masculine can even think about climbing or, or advancing farther. And in fact, for me, like if somebody were to ask me what is the most important uh, aspect of the divine masculine right now on the planet, my answer would be to support and uplift women, period. It's, it's, it's that simple to me. Uh, there is the maintenance of those qualities that we've already talked about, bringing, bringing up the values of compassion and empathy and vulnerability within the male structure, uh, balancing them with the, the strength and the courage and the stillness and the immovability that we sometimes characterize as being masculine. Uh, but my goodness, male power, distorted male power is out of control in the creation right now. And if men who have the opportunity to recognize that there is something more to being a man than just earning a paycheck or being able to lift heavy things or being able to scare away the intruder around the house, that there is this much larger uh, 
vast range of qualities to which the divine masculine can aspire. The first task has to be to take those individuals who recognize that and see that and for them to use their skills in their innate qualities, their innate strength, their innate courage, those things that come from being male to support women in their own path of awakening and to help them to, as one of our teachers put it, to cross the negativity. Because right? you had mentioned earlier about men get sent to war, men go to the front lines of war, and that has historically been the case, beginning to shift now. Uh, and it could be a question of why, why is that? Why is it that men can stand in a foxhole and they're, one second they're talking to their buddy, the next second he's gone, right? And they've, they've witnessed his going. It's been very graphic. And they're able to pick up their weapon and continue fighting. Whereas a woman in the same situation might just milk uh, from the emotional overload uh, of that experience. And in order for women to fully come up into their power, they need that strength and the protection of the masculine energy to be able to cross those experiences, to be able to be in this creation right now, which is so rampant with negativity, and be able to rise above that so that they're not limited by the very qualities that make them the beautiful beings that they are, their sensitivity, their emotional nature. Um, let me rephrase it to see if I'm understanding what you're saying. Yeah, please. You started with saying that, you know, you, you felt like the big job of men was to basically support women. Mm -hmm. And then you talked about the inequities that have developed over time in our societies around the world, but we were focusing primarily on our own society, but um, these inequities that have developed in, in whether or not we value what we consider to be masculine or we value what we consider to be feminine. And so... Part of this supporting of um, women is really about um, allowing the opportunity for the divine feminine that is held in women to come forward more into the society. Yes. But I'm also hearing you say that there's an aspect of being feminine, like I talked about, where you have this tenderheartedness that comes from this exchange of emotion and, and, and intellect inside the brain. Um, that is that in a world full of, full of negativity, which we know we're in a, a time of darkness on the earth, you know, like the Dharma is standing on one leg, as they say, but that in the face of negativity, that part of what it means to be supportive as, a, as the divine masculine is to allow a footbridge over that yes. negativity for the feminine, um, which I think goes right back to what you said were the processes that you know ought to be done like which, which is to sit and listen and to allow for and to understand what's being said and to acknowledge the emotional component and so on but is there more to it than that is there something else that men can do to really help a woman cross over that negativity cross over in this sense that that almost pain that harm that they naturally feel because of the greater interconnection of their emotions and their intellect. Well, I definitely think there is. Uh, it's, it seems more energetic than, than practical, 
uh, in the ways that we've been talking about. Uh, and the way that I would understand that, or, the, or even the way that I've experienced that, uh, is in those moments, uh, if a, a, a male uh, is with a, a female or a group of women, uh, and there is a knowing that some situation, some event that they're going into is going to be particularly hard, uh, maybe particularly filled with a lot of negativity, uh, maybe uh, anticipating a lot of negative reflection or negative mirroring from people or, you know, whatever the case may be. I mean, there's so many different ways negativity can manifest these days. Uh, but is for men to scan for that, to be aware of when that is, and then to energetically make themselves a buffer for that energy, so that the energy does... You cut out just a second, Cindy. Can you ask again? I guess my buffer question got buffered. What, what, is, <laughs> what, what, is, what does buffering look like? What, uh, how does that work? Well, the way that I have tried to implement that when I have been uh, in a position to do so is uh, it's, a, it's about intention setting. Right? I mean, we talk about intentionality a lot in this tradition. And so one of the intentions that I hold uh, if I'm entering into that kind of a space and I'm there with, with women uh, who I want to take care of, which is pretty much any woman, I mean, I just I feel drawn that way, uh, is I make a prayerful intention that whatever negativity may seek to attach to the women I'm with or may even be actively directed at the women uh, that I'm with, that it comes to me first, mm. that I experience it first. My husband actually, it's interesting you say that because um, when we first got together and he realized I was a healer and I did all this kind of stuff and we were going to end up being together, he volunteered that as his job. In this huh. Wow. <laughs> I really loved, you know, because yeah. it sounded like, well, I could use that. Okay. <laughs> and, and I do think it has worked. I don't know how he's doing it. I guess that's why I'm kind of curious about it. <laughs> I have no clue how he's doing it, but it does seem to work. It does seem to hit him first. And if it's hit me first for some reason, I, I feel perfectly capable without having to feel like I'm being wimpy or, or whiny or something to say, look, this person was really negative with me and I just can't face them again. Can you do it? Um, it, it gave me a huge like opening mm. to take advantage of that as well. So which was I appreciate him giving, offering that as what he would contribute. That's so beautiful. That's really beautiful. Oh, so cool. I love that. <laughs> I love that. So is there something that women can offer men um, so that they can stand in this divine masculine moment? Oh, yeah. There, there's a tremendous amount, I, I think. It, before we leave the, the topic of uh, how can men be a buffer, uh, like sometimes um, we may not be there at that moment whenever uh, – the, the woman in our life is experiencing whatever negativity. There's still a way that we can help with that. And it gets back to the, the deep listening because my experience is so a man has a hard experience with something. 
he goes out with his buddy to a bar, they pop a beer, they talk about it for like two minutes, and it's done, right? I mean, the guy's through talking about it, doesn't have anything else to say. Um, my experience uh, when women have a really challenging experience with negativity, especially a woman who's sensitive to the negativity and is actually trying to work with energy, uh, allowing them the opportunity to fully express what that experience was and to be curious about it and to ask them questions about it is a way for them to be able to release it and then the male can take it. Then they're free of it. Uh, it's what we talk about in this tradition as a soulmate mechanism. Right? I mean, it's a, it's a releasing that happens through the sharing uh, with someone who we trust. And so that is another way in which uh, I think men can help women with just moving through the world uh, and all the negativity we encounter. But for, for women... Hearing and a non-fixing hearing. It's just... Yeah, yes, definitely non-fixing. <laughs> definitely non-fixing. My husband does it best. Um, he also adds some sort of support of the part of me that felt wounded in the past. Mm. Um, so if I happened, if somebody was very angry with me and I got terse with them, about half of what I'm upset about because it is that I got off, mm -hmm. that I got terse with them, you know? And uh, he knows that that's bothering me somehow in that process, although that may not be what I'm expressing in the moment about what happened in the negative chain. And, you know, he'll say something positive towards me about who I am and that, you know, it would be super unusual for me to, to go off because I'm such a beautiful being or something, you know. So he'll offer something also that supports what he knows is the truth of me. Or at least this is the truth of me that I might not even know about myself in the moment because I'm feeling bad about being here. No, that, that, exactly. Then that, that's beautiful. And, and it's actually a perfect segue into what is it perhaps that women could offer men? Uh, how, can, how can the divine feminine support the divine masculine? And uh, again, for me, this tags back to my observation, my experience of so many men having what, for lack of a better word, I'll call mother wounds, right? They Somehow they felt like they did not get enough from their birth mother, and so they're looking for, for that from a partner. Um, well, the truth is that they do need love. They, they do need love. They just need to receive it in, in a way that is clean, that, that isn't involved in role-playing, it isn't involved in that their partner assuming uh, a fully motherly role. Um, but the simple affirming reflection uh, about what are the beautiful essential qualities of the, the male in the relationship. If the woman can offer that, that is like jet fuel. I mean, that if, if a woman can offer that, the man will clear a forest for her. The man will do anything. I mean, a, a man who receives clean, pure channel of love from his partner and, and receives confidence, her confidence in him, that man will stop at nothing to help her to please her so then the list the honeydew list of a thousand things is like a joy it's like i can't wait to do these things for you because you have given me what i need because most men even in this culture 
are not confident and do not feel loved. There's a big front about that, right? I mean, we think about the, the CEOs of these mega corporations and the millions and billions of dollars they have and all of these big, powerful characters. It's a very thin veneer. You pull that back and they are wounded little boys. And they're grasping after more money and more powers is a direct reflection of that. They're trying to get that, that wound met in a way that it can never be met by. Well, and even the, oh, I talked about the rise in narcissism in the society and as, as, as a psychological diagnosis, even, even that rise of narcissism as a way of holding power in our world in modern times is an expression of something that's deeply missing. Yes. Feeling of not good enough, feeling of uh, unworthiness that is sitting in almost all of humankind males and females. Yes. yes. And so it sounds to me like a basic human thing we could be doing for one another is exactly what you're saying. It's yes, I mean... The worthy aspect of the other and reflect it for them. If we could, if men and women could simply hold and reflect basic human values to one another, this would be a very different world. But we're so far, so far from that. Including that power dynamic that is disturbing as, you know, as social and divine masculine. Because the way power has become exercised is so far away from divine power. Divine power is love. Purely. Purely. ability to connect with one another in terms of our soul energies. Those parts of us that can trim and, and seek to trim. So, if we're always talking, putting down the other, you know, it's, it's the exact opposite of, of soul, of soul communication. It is. I mean, in, in terms of divine qualities, whether we're talking about masculine or feminine, this is a world gone crazy. It's a world upside down. Um, and I don't want to paint too dark a picture because I also firmly believe in the, the possibility for rapid change. Uh, I, I think... As more and more people uh, have their eyes opened or begin to open their own eyes to the inequity uh, that has been created by the system under which we operate and the, in, the injustices that are there and the suffering that is inescapably generated uh, by the system, then I think we really have the, the potential to change this creation. And, it, and the change happens on an individual level. You know, I, we, again, the typical man uh, or, or even a very uh, active, socially active woman, we think that the way to, to affect change is to, 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 to resist or to organize or to protest or to do community organization work and all those things I've done. I mean, I've done those things professionally, uh, completely invested in them. I'm glad that people continue to do those things because they, they catch people's attention and they give folks who haven't yet had any awareness of those injustices to perhaps become aware of them. But in terms of affecting real change, I have not seen that. Well, it's, you know, if they really affected change, the world would be quite different because those yes. things are going on for generations. A long, long time. <laughs> the world. So there's got to be a, set, a different entry point. 
Yeah. In terms of the divine masculine, let me try my theory out on you here. Yeah, please. <laughs> In terms of the divine masculine, I mean, you, you talk about one of the major wounded components being don't be emotional and the, the wound with the mother. Yeah. Um, it seems to me that, that a primary aspect of a, of a male being able to pull his energy into the world in a divine form is open-heartedness. They're healing the heart wounds. There. Yes. Yes. And developing that open-heartedness. We know that in our tradition that, that that's actually one of the requirements for men to use some of the higher divine powers that they have to have a, an open-heartedness and an open-heartedness on a woman for that matter in order to do some of the higher level life and death yoga. So there is something that that's trying to tell us about the energy of that open heart of the man, about how it creates a union energy, about how it operates his, his energetic into the world, about how it actually is the source or conduit for providing divine power through him into the world. If it's a necessity for doing a divine yoga, then it, it's a, it's a necessity for flowing that energy through him into the world, obviously. So it seems to me that one of our one of the great things we could do is heal the hearts of men. Um, but that would be one that would be revolutionary. Yes, no, that would be revolutionary, and actually, that's a much better way of saying what I was trying to say. Because when you talk about um, healing the hearts of men, that's what I mean by mother. Word. So many men are walking around with, with wounded hearts and in, uh, they, they're either grasping for what they think they need or they've completely shut their heart off. And, and when your heart is closed, your mind will allow you to behave in unconscionable ways and you won't even think about it. Right. They don't need the extreme tenderheartedness of women where they, where they have that deep interconnection of emotional and uh, logical if they have an open heart. Just an open heart. And then that mechanism, you know, if two, two partners, male and female, can be in a relationship and both of their hearts are open to one another, that is, is a cycle, right? I mean, because the open heart of the one holds the divine energy through the other, which is then received, by the one whose heart was open in the first place, and, and then it, it just gets returned. It, they're just cycling energy, pure divine energy, back to one another and empowering and uplifting one another. And especially for, for women uh, with your tremendous capacity for, for creation uh, and just a, a much more default creative nature than men, a man with an open heart can pull amazing creation activity through a woman, right? I mean, what is he doing? All he's doing is keeping his heart open. The, the, the woman is the one who's generating the ideas or, or creating, but it, it is supported and, and drawn out by the open heart. Well, and even in the, the womb chakra teachings of Sri Kaleshwar, Women have it physically in their bodies, which is also another thing that moves them around in a different way in their bodies. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But men need to have, they have the essence of it, they have the, the connection to it, but in order to activate that connection, they have to pure love on a woman and, and have a connection to their, a loving connection to the mother, to their mother. Yes. So we're talking about the same energetic components here mm -hmm. when we talk about that womb chakra teaching. Yes. But there is something about 
in creating a union between masculine and feminine, the, nece the necessity of the empowered womb chakra, one, but also this necessity of the open-heartedness for making yeah. that flow of energy that you talked about. Yeah. It is kind of one mechanism of union there, pulling these two energies back from a duality and into some kind of oneness. And we know, I mean, just looking at everyday life, that when we combine masculine and feminine, we get a new creation energy. Yeah. It's before the two are combined. So, yeah. yeah. So that's our other intervention point, really, isn't it? Um, yes. Yes. You know, I mean, it, it all begins with an open heart, right? I mean, it, it, if we can keep our hearts open to one another uh, and to the divine, then, then literally anything is possible because that's what calls the divine energy in. Yeah, and, uh, and it requires some healing of the wounded-heartedness in both. It does. It does. And the wounded nature of both masculine and feminine as they're expressed in the world. To get to that point. Um, but I, I do believe we can do it. I mean, I'm going to I'm going to be in here on a positive note. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, we, we, can. <laughs> no we, we can do it, and we see it being done. You know, as we observe relationships that we're privy to uh it doesn't even have to be within a spiritual community right i mean we as many examples as i can give of uh, a wounded heart or wounded masculine or wounded feminine we can also find usually in our own families examples of beautiful partnerships where the hearts were open to one another and we see or we directly experienced what that feels like to be in the presence of. And it is qualitatively different to be in the presence of an open heart than to be in the presence of a wounded heart. I mean, anyone will feel that. And it is, it's not that big of a heavy lift to heal a wounded heart with the right tool. And we have the right tools to be able to help people with that. And when I say we, of course, it's not just you and me. It's, it's thousands of uh, students of Sri Kalashwar uh, all over the globe. Uh, and then other beautiful uh, beings who have their own channels uh, to heal wounded hearts. It's happening. You know, that, that soil is being tilled. Even as the, the, the storm clouds gather, and it, it can feel very ominous uh, about what may be coming uh, in our society or, or even on the globe. Open-hearted gardeners are working the soil and planting the seeds, and they're starting to germinate. They, they are really starting to germinate. And when a, a whole field comes up, that changes the creation, right? I mean, when... But when one soul comes up and shifts from having a wounded heart to an open heart, that changes the creation. But when we start to talk about a collective awakening of hundreds, thousands, hundreds of thousands of souls coming up to that awareness, I don't even know what that change can look like. To me, it seems like it, it could be instantaneous, right? I mean, it could change the creation dramatically very quickly. I don't know. Could, could, could be incremental, but it will change it. And it is changing it. And that is. That is where we need to, to plant our hope, is in that garden of cultivating the seeds of open heart. 
So, I mean, uh, where to start? I mean, man in the mirror kind of concept is we can always start with ourselves. Yeah. And yes. And standing in open-heartedness in our own relationships and offering that as a state of being in our lives. And if anybody out there is looking for a healer who might be able to help with some of that heart wounding healing, um, you can go to the website at www.divinelineage.org. And, uh, there is a, there is a title there on the, on the bar on the top that says heal. And there are healers listed there that, um, you can contact and get in connection with. So I like ending on this positive note, Chris, for the day. You too. Enjoyed <laughs> having you here and having our discussion today. I hope you did too. And I know for sure that the people listening got a great deal from it. So thank you so much. Well, thank you, Cindy. Uh, I hope folks have been able to feel through this call some of the interplay of uh, someone aspiring to hold more of the divine masculine energy and someone aspiring to hold more divine feminine energy and also a balancing of those two, what that can look like, right? I mean, this has been a joy. Uh, it is a joy for me to be uh, in the presence of another being whose heart is so open and is so invested in helping others to heal uh, their own wounded hearts. So thank you. Well, Chris, I feel the same way. This is Cindy Lindsay Rael and Chris Hargrove for Divine Lineage. You have been listening to Divine Talk Radio. Heal, empower, and awaken. With your hosts from the Divine Lineage Healing Center in Laytonville, California. Namaste. Namaste.